But tonight, uh, we've been talking about blindness, and I wanted you to get the full understanding of the ninth through the 12th verse of Isaiah. I was telling you, that was his people. He sent out an invitation we read in the 55th chapter, and the 54th chapter. He's inviting his people to a feast, to a dinner. He says, hold, he without money, come and buy Along with that invitation to the Gentiles, along with that grand calling of people to the feast and come join him into salvation, also he's loosing the false prophets, the false teachers. He's loosening bad governments because a lot of time when you hear a beast in the Bible, beast is a Code word for uh, metaphor for governments also and rulers. So it says, come wild animals of the field. In the King James it says, beast of the field. Come, tear apart the sheep. Notice that he says, come and tear apart the sheep. My people, come wild animals of the forest. Devour my people. Listen at that language now. Devour my people. Those are the people some in Jerusalem that didn't go into captivity as he told them to, and some that would be in Babylon that did go into captivity. Mm -hmm. So this is, like I said, in the latter-day church, no place is safe from the judgment of God as he calls out judgment. That's why we must be praying all the time with fear and trembling work out our salvation. No time to relax and lay back and be at ease. He's our rest. To be in him, he's our Sabbath rest. He says, for the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, are all blind to every danger. Now I was telling you, it's metaphorical, physical blindness, but he's meaning spiritual dangers in this day and time. His shepherds, his pastors and leaders don't see what's coming up on the earth to warn the people, to warn the flock of the destruction that's coming. He said they are feather brain and give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie there, love to sleep, to dream, and they are as greedy dogs, never satisfied. They are stupid shepherds who only look after their own interests each trying to get as much as he can for himself from every possible source. Come, they say, we'll get some wine and have a party. Let's all get drunk. This is really living. Let it go on and on, and tomorrow will be even better. Uh, We see, I was telling my son-in-law about one of the professors at LSU had resigned because of the new governor that they elected, and he said he didn't want the the university to suffer for the the governor trying to come after him for some things he's said. We're not seeing the darkness. We're not seeing the evil and the wickedness. I tell you, it wasn't just local. It's just not the mayor of the Baton Rouge Police Department or the, or the local churches. It's on a national and a worldwide level. In other words, people don't realize it. They talk about times of the Great Tribulation. You're having back and forth between Hamas and Israel and the slaughter that's going on over there. The Hamas react 
went in and did some things in Israel, but now a lot of Palestinians are being destroyed. Yes. We have the thing with uh, in the House of Representatives where they not don't want to elect Jim Jordan and speak at a house, and they're saying that the Republicans can't govern. They don't know how to govern. They're rebels. They're dividing against its themselves. It's mm-hmm. uh, so only a few weeks to the government will shut down again in November, the same thing that they were talking about earlier. We see at a national level, I don't want to get into age level of thing, but both of the people that's running for president are in they close to 80s, you know. Yep. Both of them are elderly. But we have a world of chaos going on, a nation of chaos. And it seems to be everybody's for themselves. Yep. In sports, the Hollywood writers are on strike, were on strike, and the actors and General Motors and Ford and all of these companies because, as he said, greedy shepherds, greedy leaders, all of the people are greedy and covetous. Is everybody's wanting more. Yep. Everybody's wanting more. Uh, the Amplified reads, All you beasts of the field, all you beasts, that is, hostile nations in the forest, come to eat. Israel's watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark, panning, lying down. They love to slumber, and the dogs are greedy. They never have enough. They are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each one of his to his own, own unlawful gain, without exception. Come, they say, let us get wine and let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be even better. So they're looking to looting and looking their live. They says their God is their belly. Covetousness, you know. To say we're in a nation of Christian people, it's mighty strange. I don't think it's all secular people that that lottery gets up to 1.2 billion, 1.4, or 1. How many billions of dollars that fast each month, as fast as it does, it's a lot of people out there playing the lottery. It's a lot of people gambling on their phones with sports books and football, baseball, whatever season there's constantly because it's a greed, a a thing for money. Taylor Swift, her concert and her tour and her movie, I think she'll gross maybe $1.5 billion. That's entertaining one year. Mm. But what he's looking at and what they're talking about is that the people are blind. And I, I talked about Blind from a physical aspect and spiritual, it mirrored spiritual blindness. But he says, ignorant, dumb dogs, stupid, in other words. These are people who refused to learn. Who, when he says slumber and sleeping, that's unaware, inattentive, not necessarily physical sleep. The physical sleep that spirit mirrors the spiritual sleep. It's not praying, not diligent in the word of God, not studying the word of God. The average person, if they were truthful to you, never read their Bible to they're about to, if they read it, uh, unless they're about to come to church or in church, they'll read it. But most of them don't have a daily devotion or organized study time or reading of their Bible. 
all the computers and everything else, games, television, whatever their pleasure is, come before the Lord. Yes. Just if, if they're honest and examine themselves and see how much time they spend with the Lord. So I, I, I myself look back and see how many of these that we, I preached on understanding. Because here when he's talking about darkness and in blind and the scripture you read in John about groping in the daylight. In, the, in other words, these people are in spiritual darkness, can't hear and can't see. That's why he talk about the lay of the sea in church. It was a spiritual blind. And he says they thought they had need of, not of anything, but they were poor, wretched, blind, and naked. So they didn't have any sufficiency of spiritual clothing on. And we need to have on Christ to put on Christ. They lack spiritual understanding. And we went back to Isaiah, the first chapter, and I think the sixth verse about that they they wasn't going to be able to see. They're going to have eyes and not see it, ears and not hear, and not understand. Yes. His people perish in the book of Hosea because of a lack of knowledge. Knowledge and understanding is missing. Isaiah, the 28th chapter, 9 through the 13th verse says, Who does Isaiah think he is? The people say, to speak to us like this, are we little children barely old enough to talk? He tells us everything over and over again, a line at a time, line up on line in simple words, but they won't listen. The only language they can understand is punishment. His people say, you teach line up on line, precept up on precept. It's the redundancy of teaching. You preach it the same thing over and over. But the reason the Bible does that is we're not getting it. There's a lack of understanding. But but his people, we have to realize that God had chosen out a designated people. He had called and predestinated a chosen people that when they hear his word, they hear it by faith. And they search after his word. But a lot of them that are hearing the word don't have ears to understand. They hear what's preached. They're in the churches and they, they profess and confess the Lord. I was looking at a show last night, Irrational or something, where people sometimes perceive things that they're doing things. And that's what we do. We go to we go to church and we read the Bible and we think we understand these things. We think we're functioning, but we're blind to right before our eyes, to right what we're looking at. We can only see what we're looking at. He was telling the lady to pick out all of the players that was changing the basketball or whatever, how many times they passed the basketball among one another. And while she was looking and focusing on that, it was a gorilla, a bear or something that crossed over in front of him. She didn't even see it. We can't see right in front of our eyes because we're not focused. They can be watching TV and a lot of people don't see what happened on television because they're focused on the iPhone, on the iPad, on the text message and something else. How many times you didn't talk to someone and had to repeat something that you were saying, that you had to repeat something you, you were saying to someone because we've become slaves to our electronics, to, to the things of the world and we're spiritually blind, but we're blaming the prophets and because we're thinking we receive it. They hear the teaching, the preaching, but they actually 
aren't aware that they don't understand what's being said or their eyes are closed to it. So God says he's going to punish them. He says, but they won't listen. The only language they can understand is punishment. So God will punish them by sending against them foreigners who speak strange gibberish. Only then will they listen. And they could have rest in their own land if they would obey him, if they were kind and good. He told them that, but they wouldn't listen. So the Lord will spell it out for them again, repeating it over and over in simple words whenever he can. So his prophets are teaching the same message. They're proclaiming the same warning. But the false prophets has dulled their hearing and closed their eyes. He has them focus upon prosperity and money. They're missing the bigger picture. They can't see the forest for the trees. But those that are not myopic, they're foresighted. All that they can see is the big picture. And they're missing the details, the, 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 the preaching that's in the word, the teaching, because they're under a time constraint that God only has a few minutes where all of their time is crowded in, so they lack the understanding of God. And by being carnal, they think that they can receive spiritual things in that way. But it's not so with with God. Uh, This is similar to Jesus' explanation of the parable. God says he scatters understanding on any given subject throughout the Bible. It's a line here, a part there, some may be in Proverbs, Revelations, uh, anywhere throughout the Bible. You have to study and bring all those parts together. It says, study to show yourself approved. Search the scriptures and take time and study the word and be a good Berean, but we don't have time for that. Our time is dedicated to, well, if I hear the preacher preach it 10 or 15 minutes or so, I can get it just because religion is just that simple. We understand. We know this and that, that. But they're blinded to we don't see. Jesus said, if you had said that you were blind, I'd come to open the eyes of the blind. But you say, now you see, so thus you're blind. Yes. Because you can't perceive in, in, of your nakedness, of your blindness. So we don't search for those kernels. Search, he says, search the scriptures. Seek after me. How many of us and how many hours are, how much time a day we spend searching and seeking the word of God. That, that's where the mining comes from is in the word of God. Yes. Prayer is a watering, a fertilizing of it. But faith coming by the hearing of the word of God. So we have to go back and study that which was heard so that when he does give us spiritual revelations and open up the word of God, we start understanding we can see. After this redundancy of all of it, seeing this all this time and not understanding it, when he give you that revelation, that rhema word, that when he drops it in your spirit, then you say, well, you know, now I see. I can see now. I remember when my mother told me to my father, I remember when the preacher said, I remember when this person, because all through life, there's been bits and pieces where God warns you of giving you instructions on how to live. Uh, therefore, parables, when Jesus started to talk to them in parables, what the parable was for 
was a dark meaning. I remember Elder Washington was talking about parables help you to understand better. And a lot of people don't realize, no, parable clouds the issue. A parable, he started speaking in parables when they were rejecting and not paying attention to his preaching and they were rejecting him. So as they rejected him, so with understanding here, there's no understanding without real conversion. You have to be converted. That's why he said, uh, as he told Daniel to seal it up, as he told his preachers and prophets, he says, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and be converted and I heal them. This is hidden from them so that they wouldn't understand. That's why he talked in parables. Peter said, well, why are you speaking into them into parables? Because it's not for them to understand. How many of us, when we come to church or when we in the world or we hear God's word, seems like it puts us to sleep. Seems like there's no clarity to it. But once we physically are woke, we think we got it. We think we're true Christians and we profess the word of God. But without true conversion, you're a false professor. These are the ones that the beast are going to destroy because they have a lack of understanding. And this is the false prophets, false teachers, and the sheep themselves. Because these are not his people, but then some of them are his people, but they are the weaker of the people because only the strong are going to survive in this latter time. It's going to be those that see the light and come to the light, and they could do great exploits for the Lord because why? They are diligent in the word of God. They are diligent in serving God. They are doing the word of God. Matthew 9 and 29, Jesus says, According to your faith, let it be unto you. Similar to his words to the centurion whose servant was dying in the book of Matthew 8 through 13. And finding out that Jesus saw that he had seen greater faith from the Gentiles than from his people. From the Jews. He said he hadn't seen no greater faith in all of Israel. So... When he was speaking to the people in Matthew, when he says the children of the kingdom will be cast out and you'll see publicans and harlots come in into the kingdom. Because God's people always thinking that they're not going to destroy the temple. We're God's chosen people. They're not going to do all these things. When people get married and they have security in their husband or have security in their wives, in their families, on their job. That security they feel is their ownership or their right. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that you should live as a poor beggar to Jesus Christ, that's what faith does to you. Because faith has works, but those that are slumbering, that are sleeping, that are lazy, thinking it's their right, those are the ones he's talking about that are slumbering and sleeping like he told Peter and them. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And some people think that they are grandfathered in, that God has them. They're they going to make it, that heaven is their home. they like the Pharisees. They think they're good at, better than everybody else, and they really understand this, whereas they don't understand and they don't realize their spiritual condition. 
so he says, uh, in both cases, the condition for the miraculous is faith. With faith, you can move mountains. With faith, that's how the world was created. So that's how salvation comes through, is through the hearing of the word of God preached. Now, they can't preach this unless they are sent. But do you realize in the book of Jeremiah and, through, and Peter talks about the false teachers and false prophets coming, that there are many run that wasn't sent. And that's who the majority listened to and follow after those that God hadn't sent. They ran themselves. They decided that I'm a preacher, I'm a Parents was preachers. Or we had a wealthy family. The people think I look good. You can say this and have charism. I'm charismatic, and I have to get a following or something, and that's all it takes. You know, they graduate high school, college, and go to seminary and all this, and they think intellectually that they can do it. And that's what happened. There's a lot of wise and smart people. They get the businessmen and things in church, but that means... The blind is leading the blind. They all go fall in the ditch. Faith opens the doors for divine blessings uh, that it's lack, and it's lack of faith closes doors. That's why it says, I set before you an open door, a door no man can close, but it's a door that no man can open either. You're not born by the will of God, I mean by the will of the flesh, uh, you born by the will of God. When Noah came upon the ark, notice when he built the ark, it was God that closed the ark's door. It wasn't any way that Noah could open that door to let anyone else on. When God opens doors, nobody can close them. And when he closed doors, nobody can open them. Yes. Christ could do these few mighty miracles in Nazareth, his hometown, because the people had a lack of faith in him. It was only a few works he did in Nazareth. That's in Matthew 13, 57 through the 58 verse, because they knew him. And a lot of times people know you, and they lack faith in you because of their familiarity. They say familiarity breeds contempt. That's why a lot of times people, uh, pastors and people say, well, it may be better for their spouses or for their children to go to different churches or whatever because of their closeness of people's proximity to others, they think they got a free ride. You know, when my dad is the preacher, or my, you know, uh, if their daddy owns the place, if they husband, they father, you know, in other words, my spouse owns this, uh, uh, my wife's the boss here or whatever. In other words, your closer proximity to someone or something, sometimes you end up taking it for granted. And you don't work as hard as everybody else. That's why I said a lot of times people don't hire their relatives or whatever because they think the relationship is going to make it easier for them. Hmm. Salvation is a great work, but unbelief prevents it. It is important to study the word of God to increase faith. It is very important because it comes by hearing and reading God's word and that's why I say that's the very necessary component where he told Martha that she was working, but Mary had chosen the good thing that was hearing the word of God. But then after hearing the word of God, you have to be a good Berean to be able to go back and study that word. 
So it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But God has to open their eyes. Their eyes has to be opened. God opens our eyes. And we see uh, in the book of Luke, I, I think I was talking about Sunday. Uh, okay, so I'm talking about, I said, understanding is having your eyes closed of, of the blindness that comes from not understanding something. That's when we're talking about walking in darkness, that you couldn't be in darkness when the Bible says they grope in darkness during the daytime. In the noonday sun, they're groping in darkness because it's a lack of understanding. You know, you could watch a movie or watch something and not understand the theme or what's going on or whatever. You may enjoy the entertainment, but you didn't understand what was doing. You didn't know the meaning of actually what happened. Uh, so the, their eyes were open is more than a description of a literal action in the Bible when it says Jesus opened someone's eyes. In the New Testament, that phraseology is more or less of a spiritual opening of eyes. Even though he was working physical miracles of opening eyes, but when John sent and asked him, was he the one or should they look for another one? Jesus listed the physical miracles, but encrypted within that was that he was doing the spirituals, working, preaching the kingdom of God, just as John was to repent that the kingdom of heaven was open. He was opening blind eyes. So the Jews thought of blind eyes as shut as seeing and seeing as open eyes. So you saw something and didn't understand it. They say, well, your eyes was closed. You hear a lot of people say, well, your eyes was closed to that all the time until somebody gives you insight into what's happening. That's what the Bible is. It's a mystery. You hear the mystery of godliness. There's a mystery of godliness. There's a mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity is Satan blinds people's eyes. Satan is the god of this world and through material and prosperity and a whole lot of things. It says in Corinthians that the god of this world has blinded the eyes of those that didn't believe. Yes. Now the mystery of iniquity is that. But when you say the mystery of godliness, listen at this now. Mm-hmm. The mystery of godliness starts with you. At birth, we are born blind. All of us are born blind. That's where Bartimaeus made us, and I was talking about it Bible study last week, that Bartimaeus and the clay on his eyes were being symbolic of all of us are born blind. Jesus came as a light into the world, and as he told John that, that the blind see, he was meaning that, yes, I am the Lamb of God, that sacrifice for the whole world. He's that light that was going to be sent to the Gentiles. He's that light that lighted the whole world and that we have that born again experience to where we start to see. That's what I just now told you a few minutes ago. He says he came to heal those that needed a physician, those that couldn't see. That's why he told the Pharisees, 
If you said that you were blind, if you admitted that you couldn't see, that you didn't understand, then you could have understood. Then you would have received as the blind beggar you are. But since you say you see as the lay of the sins and they didn't have no need of anything, he said, your sin remaineth. See, because when he opens our eyes, when he begins us to see, that's when we started to start to work because that hearing of God's word genders a faith that's a regeneration. That faith that we heard, that's the seed planted. That's the kernel that starts our growth to remove the the veil that's over our eyes, the veil that it's in Moses, that in reading the law, reading God's word. So anybody that's stuck in the law, in the word, that veil remaineth. But Jesus Christ comes to give sight to those blind that has that veil covering their eyes. They may have religion, Mm -hmm. but their religion don't help them to see. They're still blinded. Jesus removes two men's blindness, and they can now see and comprehend what was once closed to them. As they went along that road of Amanus, those two disciples on the road to Amanus, they thought they knew about Jesus. They even kind of scolded Jesus for not knowing what was happening. And they say they thought this man was the Messiah. This one would be the one that bring in the kingdom. That whole time that they were with Jesus, it says, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes was open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Uh, and the Amplified, it says, as it happened that he reclined at table with them, he took bread and blessed it, breaking it, and he began to giving it to them. And their eyes were suddenly opened by God, and they clearly recognized him, and he vanished out of sight. So until God comes in our lives and spiritually opens our eyes and gives us sight, we're blinded. The world dwells and lies in blindness because the God of this world had blinded their eyes. What redemption and salvation is about, he redeems us. He buys us back. That's why we have to confess that we're naked, we're wretched and poor, and we need him. He's the way. He's the only way. He's the only one with this eyesight. That's why he says, come unto me, buy and eat. You don't need money, but you need, do need to sacrifice self. You need to present your body as a living sacrifice. You need prayer. You need to sacrifice yourself in reading and the study of the word of God. And he says, I'll anoint your eyes with eyesight. I'll open up your ears that you can hear. But notice what it says. Then he opened up their understanding that they could understand the scriptures. That's Luke 24 and 45. He has to open up your understanding. Not only seeing, you need understanding. And understanding, knowledge, and wisdom is intricately woven in God's word to that he has to reveal this to you. This is his mystery. God's mystery is not something you can figure out, that you can't be a professor or somebody to to figure this out. God has to reveal it to you, and that's why in the Scriptures it says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He has to give us understandings of his word. So that's why I said, 
Each one of us has to have a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ because he's personally opening each one of our eyes. Now he's out of countless billions of people in the world or whatever, and he's, that's just how large our God is. Yes. That's the forest. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we can't yes. see the forest of the, for the trees because he's given to details. Oh, yes. He's given to the minute details in life. That's why he says you have to give account for every idle word. So when we are born again and we're being regenerated, we begin to have that same fine tuning within us because he gives us of his spirit, which is his righteousness. It's an imputed righteousness unto us. He imputes his righteousness. That righteousness once imputed unto us, that's what creates a hunger and a desire into us. He says that he that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Yes. But you're not going to find it searching after the things of this world, living in the things of this world. Mm. Now, granted, he's in everything in the world. Yes. And we can learn from that if he's allowing you to rest in him. That's why I say he's our Sabbath rest. So we learn from everything if you're a child of God. But if you're a child of the world, you're not going to learn from everything because you can't discern spiritual things because you hadn't been born again. You don't have the mind of Christ. He hadn't put that in you. You You don't have that seed in you, that seed of faith, that hearing that opens up your ears and understanding and giving you revelations of these things. Yes. So Matthew 13, 9 through 17, Christ did not speak in parables to make the meaning clear to any of his readers. From the very beginning, God has supervised the writing of the Bible so that it cannot be understood without outside help. No man can just come to the Bible and understand it. You can extract a carnal meaning from it, but that spiritual meaning is hidden unto you until you believe in Jesus Christ because that's eternal life we're dealing with. His word is eternal life. You can't get eternal life by yourself. His spirit has to guide you and lead you into those truths. His spirit has to reveal these things unto you. He has to open up your understanding. So it's no such thing as being self-taught. But notice that Paul didn't go to Jerusalem when he was first converted or whatever. But what a lot of people don't understand and know about Paul, Paul was a Pharisee and he knew the law. He was a teacher of the law. So when he went to Arabia in Damascus, when he went out in Arabia and that God taught him, it says the spirit, he didn't go up to, in the book of Galatians, he says, nor did I even, Galatians 1 and 17 says, nor did I even go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and stayed a while and afterward returned once more to Damascus. Paul continues here to illustrate that the foundation of his spiritual understanding was not instruction by the other apostles or by any other human being. 
he which received his instruction and understanding directly from Jesus Christ, and he seen Christ. He was the one that saw Christ. Christ revealed himself to him. That was one of the things to be an apostle. You had to witness the resurrection, and he witnessed the resurrected Christ. Uh, even the prophets, the men of old, did not understand that the multitude who had heard the parables of Christ didn't understand. The prophets searched for the meaning of what those scriptures was that they spoke, that they wrote. All of this was hidden from them. They didn't understand these things. It's as you were saying this morning when you were sleeping, you thought the alarm was ringing you don't know whether you was woke or asleep. And that's what most of the visions and the dreams were, that these people wasn't conscious of what they were doing. They wasn't bringing it up. This was a derivative of the spirit leading them. That's why I say you have to strain to get a vision or see things. In other words, you, you're reaching out physically to the point that you're searching and seeking for answers from God, and then he comes in and reveals them to you. He comes in, God has to reveal himself. Brother Isley had told me that one time, that you can't go to God, you can't find God. God has to reveal, he has to allow you to find him. You, you you can't figure God out or whatever. He has to make these things known unto you. That's the understanding. He opens up to whereby you can understand what these things say. According to Romans 11, the meaning is veiled from most of mankind until the day God offers them salvation. So there's a general revelation of common grace that had appeared to all men but it's not a grace that leads to salvation. God has to open up salvation. That's why I said in those chapters when he says, Ho, all ye without money, come and buy and eat or whatever. God has to open up salvation, invite you in, and give you to eat of the bread of life like he gave the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember, he says he, re he reclined at table with them. He broke bread and gave to them to eat. And as they ate this bread, as we eat of the bread of the Lord, which is symbolic of his broken body, which was broken for us, and as we drink of the wine and milk that he invites us to, of his spirit that was poured out for us, those things that is give you life. That's why I say the table of partaking of the table means that we're eating of the body. That's the substance of our life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So we're eating the word of God. It's a consumption of his word. We assimilate it into our body and it gives us life. Yes. He is the manna that came down from heaven. He says, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you'll have no life in you. Yes. They are not relegated to unbelief until a later time in the millennium of the great white throne judgment to where God doesn't remove this veil until later on from Israel that he had covered their eyes to provoke them. Now, to a Greek-speaking person, a mystery was a difficult puzzle to solve, but a secret impossible to penetrate. And that's what 
It was the, he came along at the very right, right time where the New Testament was written in Greek. It was during the, the time of the, the Hellenists and Arabic and thing that was spoken. But everything God does is about timing. There's a time and a season for all time, for all things. So with this form of thinking, Timothy, I think his father was a Greek. Paul was trained and he was educated or whatever. So don't let anybody tell you about the illiterate, oh, man, they think it's smart, that, that. Not that you think that you're smart or whatever, but God gives wisdom to the simple. He tells us to study to show ourselves approved. In the book of Acts, he says, at the time of our ignorance, he winked, God winked. Not that he let sin have passed over sin, but he said that he opened up salvation and he commanded all men at this time to repent. So he tells us to take his yoke upon us and learn of him. Mm -hmm. Study to show ourselves approved. Workers that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In Matthew 13 and 10, Jesus explains to, am I going over the same thing? The purpose of parables. I've got these notes out of line. Only with the Spirit of God can we really understand the parables. When he gave them the parable of the sower, they did you notice he spoke that parable before everybody, but it was only when he went inside with his disciples that he explained the parables to them. Yes. It wasn't for everybody to understand. Certain keys unlike parables, and if we do not have the keys, we will miss the meaning and the interpretation will be wrong and it will get that, that's what's wrong with doctrine and thing now we're using any kind of definition and private interpretations to unlock us say what the scriptures meaning but you remember he told K peter i give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven yes, yes. whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven yes. whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven but notice that Peter, they knew Peter was an unlearned fisherman. Now, this is Peter who walked with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that they said these men were unlearned, but they noticed a difference in Peter, the boldness of his spirit, that he boldly, and you remember he told him, he says, about obeying God rather than man. But this Peter that had all of this knowledge in one of the most complicated epistles we have, but it's wrote with simplicity, is First and Second Peter. But notice what Peter told the disciples. We don't have time to wait tables. We have to give ourselves to the studying of the word of God because his commission was to feed the sheep. Amen. Not lord it over, but feed them. Now, notice that he says some were dumb dogs, some was ignorant and blind, but we should be children of the light. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't walk in darkness as other Gentiles because there should be a difference in us. But don't worry here. There's going to be five wise and there's going to be five foolish. There's going to be those in the church that's going to slumber and sleep. We all slumber and sleep because we all have physical bodies that need rest. And I was telling you about Christ was resting in the boat. But during our alert times, the time that we're awake, we have to apply ourselves 
redeeming the lost time, redeeming that time, giving ourselves to study and giving ourselves to God. So as Peter realized that, other parts of the Bible tells us that it takes the Holy Spirit to give us ears to understand or ears to hear. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-14. To understand spiritual things, we must have the Spirit of God in our minds. We must have the mind of Christ that in turn opens the Bible's mysteries. That's why it says, let that same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. That same mind. Of course, the other major keys in the book itself, because of the interpretation of the parable, is scattered throughout. But God scatters the word just like he scatters his people. And we need one another. We need that wisdom and knowledge from one another. That's why he says, it's not good to be alone. When Paul says, Apollos planted uh, uh, one watered, and God give it the increase, Listen at different preachers and teaching. It's nothing wrong with that. He says, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Because there are things other people know. Don't think that you're the only one that knows something or whatever. It is not necessarily just the scriptural context of the parable, but it's how how does it fit together? How does the word fit? And a lot of times these televangelists and people using it for prosperity and for their purpose, they twist the word of God. The ability to understand. I tell you, we have to have the ability to understand. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before this world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it they would have not crucified the lord of of glory so now the apostles are preaching the hidden wisdom of god that wasn't revealed unto man but that now that he's disclosing that to those that hear this preach that's why you have to be around a preacher that you have to get this from a preacher you can't just get it it that just doesn't come Faith coming by hearing. And then once you start believing that, the, as I told you, the Ezekiel bone joins together with other bones. Mm-hmm. You come into the church, you come into the body of Christ, and it cements you together. The body of Christ is fitly joined together. He's building a spiritual house. Each person's going to do their part. Each person's going to contribute but they will grow in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding because they plead to God for these things. They're a poor blind beggar that's asking for light. They consistently know that they need more light. No no matter how much light they, they get, they need more light because you can't stand still. You have to grow in the Lord. He says increase in knowledge, increase in understanding. He's consistently driving you to maturity. Yes. He says he's driving you to maturity. You don't want your children to sit back and be children forever. You want to teach them and train and instill character in them that's going to make them wise, good, moral, upstanding children of God, yes. independent of you. 
Okay? Without the ability to distinguish between God's way and Satan's way, the leaders of Judea put their Savior to death. They was the ones that crucified Jesus. What he said and did was a mystery to them as they had no basis within themselves to comprehend that. So the Pharisees put him to death because they didn't understand the scriptures. They allowed the Romans to crucify him. Satan didn't understand it. He never would have crucified Jesus. That was the ball game. That was the end of it. They killed, they murdered, they plotted together and murdered an innocent man. So now just God's justice, that was the sacrifice. That well they lacked to understand. If they had knew that, they'd have never killed Jesus. The Pharisees who had applauded it. Without God's spirit working in them, they had no understanding and therefore no ability to make a proper judgment. Okay, Satan, I tell you, Satan. God of this word, 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. It says, uh, listen at this one from, the, I think this is to Amplify, and I'll read all of this before I close, because I I'm, was trying to get this introduction laid and doing looking at and doing something else. I don't want to blame you on nothing, but now I think I'm tr- getting here, and I have to finish it Saturday and Sunday. 1 Corinthians 9 and 12 is, Yet we do speak wisdom among those spiritually mature. That is, believers who have teachable hearts and a greater understanding. You must be teachable. Now, when I say must be teachable and God humbles you, that you come into the church not with self-ambition because with self-ambition, you're looking for the day that you can overthrow your teacher. With self-ambition, you lead looking for the day that you, as your kids do, that they're smarter than their parents. They know more than their parents do. That's inside man. Those are the wickedness because they get that from their father, the devil. That's what breed covetousness and all of these things. Notice that Jesus Christ was our example, and he never got to the point where he wanted to overthrow the father. He was always subject under the Father, even though being equal with God. He laid that aside and humbled himself. Okay? So it says, but it is higher wisdom, not the wisdom of this present age, nor of the rulers and leaders of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God, that's the wisdom that we're preaching, which God predestined before the ages to our glory, to lift up into glory of his presence. So God had chosen out these that was going to hear this. Yeah. You know, I tell people when I, me and my wife would say, don't say anything around Brex because he's listening. I got a grandson that's listening and everything he's hanging on what you say. That's what happened when you received the word of God. You start searching everywhere. You start anything that said or did. You're trying to find God in that. You can discern good from evil, and you receive the good, but you reject the evil. But no, you have to search through everything. You remember I said, now the detail does matter. The balance is that you can't throw the trees out now. You're not seeing the forest for the tree, but you must search diligently because the devil is in the detail. 
It's the small foxes that destroy the vine. So we must live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth. And that's what happened. A lot of people are under the curse because God says, you're going to be cursed if you add anything to the word of God. And you're going to be cursed and all these plagues are going to be added unto you if you take away anything from the word of God. That word is there. We can't impose upon God's word. None of the rulers of this age recognized and understood this wisdom. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written in scripture, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard and which has not entered into the hearts of man all that God has prepared for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who, listen at this. Now, this is the fear of God, and these are the ones that God revealed these secrets to. No man, because man is carnal, has had this. But listen, it says, who hold him in affectionate reverence, who obey him, and who gratefully recognize the benefits that he had bestowed upon us. So the fear and the obedience to God opens this wisdom and knowledge and understanding to us. As child Solomon says, I'm but a child. I don't know how to come in and go out. Teach me these things. For God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding, God's that light, that lamp that searches in the inner man, that he provides the light that lights the soul, that lights the body. But what that light does, it dispels darkness, making the whole world, making the whole body light. That's why I say you grow in light. But, but what, that, what that means, though, you have to have the word of God in you. You're putting that word of God in you. Remember I said that you're clothed in him. You're putting on Christ. But as you pull on, put on Christ, you have to pull off the old man. Because that's the scales of blindness. Remember I told you he put the, the clay over the man's eyes and told him to go wash. Well, through that obedience, we are washed with the word of God, with the sprinkling of the word of God. So it removes the veil. It removes the covering from our eyes as we obediently obey him and wash, that is, study his word, practice his word, obey his word, and live his word. We become sighted. We become spiritually sighted. Some of us may even become physically sighted. We may be physically healed. It heals us spiritually, but our faith is what makes us whole. Like the woman that reached out and touched him in his garment. Her faith made made her whole. That's why when Peter and Paul behold the man and saw that he had faith to be made whole, he began to walk. There will be a lot of wonders and a lot of things happening. Now, some of them may be false and lying signs and wonders. But as we grow in faith, there will be a lot of 
physical deformities, physical maladies reversed because the interest of the word give it light and it cites us. It makes us strong in the Lord spiritually and physically sometimes be it unto you according to your faith. That's what he told us in church. Be it unto you according to your faith. So I'm not saying that you're rewarded because of this or this happens, but according to your deeds, you're going to receive a recompense from the Lord. So if you work hard, Paul said he labored more than the rest of the apostles. So he got these revelations and he accomplished much more than them. Everybody may be on the bus, but everybody on the bus don't receive the same reward. That socialism don't play that way when I say about being a socialist. It doesn't mean that we're all the same. There's going to be different rewards. You could be rewarded according to your works. If you didn't work much, if you slumbered and slept, you don't have anything. You like the prodigal son. You gambled and gave away all yours. You have you might have to stay with your brother and work for your brother. Yeah. You'll be your 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 salvation will be there. You'll be saved, but you're gonna lose your rewards. And said, For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within in him? So also no man or no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Because it says his thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways. Because you have to have his spirit in us. And it starts to reveal and show it to our spirit. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit who is of God. So that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given us by God. That's why he gives us of his spirit to inform, he's like a lawyer. He's he tells us what all's in the will. He shows us how to inherit, how to get these inheritances. Yes. But we have to lay aside immorality. We have to lay aside lying and stealing. All of these things, we have to put these away so that we can see, so that we could be rewarded, so that we'll be alert. We wouldn't slumber. We wouldn't sleep. It makes us upright. So that's the understanding that's come with God. Understanding, as I told you about all of these elements of salvation, understanding a thing. You can see things or you can see how things going on, but do you understand that? I went to we went to San Antonio and a few places on our honeymoon on our anniversary or whatever, and we saw a musician. And man, he worked a whole lot of things. But one thing that they don't do, they allow you to see all of these tricks, but they never give you an understanding of knowledge how that was performed, how this came about. Well, what God does, he reveals the hidden things. He reveals that which was hidden. And that which is hidden, you can't find out carnally. God has to show it to you. So as God shows us the spiritual things, we walk therein. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you this night, Lord God, studying your